Hi, I'm Ray, a storyteller, educator, mom, and your host of Homeroom, an international podcast bridging the education gap between the classroom and the living room. Growing up, my single immigrant mom was so busy working multiple jobs to make ends meet, she couldn't afford to give me a lot of her time. So she relied on schools to teach me everything about how to succeed in life. But under-resourced and over-standardized, our one-size-fits-all education system had other priorities. In this liminal space of unmet expectations, I fell into a blind spot. Homeroom is my attempt to figure out why. In this first season, I speak with people in all walks of life from around the world about their own experiences with their education systems. I want to know what worked, what didn't, and what ideas they have on improving it for our next generation. In this episode, I speak with Stella, a fashion and film enthusiast who is currently in grad school studying cognitive psychology about her winding journey across varying interests and industries. We talk about her early experiences of leaving her home of South Korea to study in a country where she couldn't speak the language with homestay parents whose culture was drastically different from that of her own Korean families. We discuss the influence her parents had on helping her find a suitable career trajectory, the importance of experimenting on your own, and how being open to your own curiosity is the most insightful data of all. Here is our edited conversation. So my parents sent me to New Zealand when I was elementary school just to learn more English. So, but in that time, I think um, sending their young child to English speaking countries kind of like popular in that time so yeah, uh, yeah I'm the only only one in the family I went there and did they go with you no I go there alone and I had my homestay papa and mama there how did your parents find them um in Korean English Academy and I don't know I was really young so I just enjoyed it I only have a great memory. How long were you there? Uh, like, like two year and a half, I guess. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. Did Did your parents visit, or did you go back and forth from Korea during the vacations? They 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 never visit, but I have my aunt who lives in New Zealand, so I met with my aunt quite. Okay, so they had family. I'm just, wow, okay. Okay, so two and a half years. So your was your English by then already very good or were you just learning it? I was just learning it, but I didn't know some um, complicated words, but in that time, I don't know how do I understand. It's like learning language in that age is quiet like much more easier than learning English now. So sometime my homestay mom and pop say something about their family issues. I could understand without using dictionary. So they mm-hmm. never told me about like 
they were gonna divorce, I just noticed in the end. And I'm still wondering how did I figure it out? And that happens even with like New Zealand friends. When I just want to say something secretly with my other Korean friend, so I talk in Korean, but anyway, they they notice that they are talking about them. So I think learning language in at elementary age, it's a bit different mechanism. Yeah, I think also um, what you just said reminds me of something. So my daughter, she's not two, she's not even two years old yet, uh, and sh- her vocabulary is very, very limited. Um, I think it's a little bit more than we expected for her age, but it's still very small. But she's very emotionally in tune and she understands tone and very well. And so when I get angry because I am still learning how to control my own emotions as a new mom, she knows exactly why I'm angry. And when I apologize to her, she understands. And so, you know, even though she's not capable of saying some things, her capacity to understand what we're saying is very, very large. And so I think when we're children, and because you're studying cognitive psychology, maybe you know that um, we know so much more than we are able to verbalize through any language that we know. Our emotional capacity to understand emotions is so much higher. And so I think when you said, you know, you were able to pick up on those emotional cues Maybe you didn't have the language either in Korean or English, but because empathy was something that your parents valued and, you know, as children were very in tune with our emotions, I imagine that you were very emotionally intelligent when you were younger. And also I'm curious, I know that when children are separated from their parents at a very young age, that can sort of be a very traumatizing experience or it can have some kind of, you know, emotional repercussions or um, consequences that we don't know. And so I'm curious, did you have any sort of longing or desire to be with your parents? Did you miss them? Every weekend, uh, my homestay parents brought me somewhere new. Could be aquarium or beach, or sometimes like many places that young children can go and some get some new education. Oh, so, 
I didn't miss my parents and sisters that much. But the problem is it happens at a night time because I have had two younger sisters, which means we shared one big bedroom. So I always sleep with someone else, could be my sister or could be my parents one day. But in there, I had to sleep alone. And it was my first time and I was young. I, I think in that time I was still young to sleep with my parents. And even they got me a little lion, kind of lion look like a doll. It was not enough for me to sleep alone. And there was a like digital clock next to my bed. And I don't know, I was always afraid to see the, I know it's a bit awkward, but I was afraid of number four or number 13. So every, that clock changed to like four, like 30 or four, 44 a.m. or p.m. I don't know why, but it's, it really got me feel horrified or something. So what did you do? Um, I used my blanket, like cobble all of my face except my nose. I don't know. I just thought ghosts showed up in 4.44 a.m. in the morning. I was young, so. Yeah, and also those are, I think, numbers in South Korea generally that are to be feared. I know that in elevators, right, sometimes the buildings, they don't have a level four. Yeah, right, right. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a very cultural thing. And so I'm wondering, like, um, you know, when we are removed from our home culture, our familiar culture, and we're moved to another culture, things change a little bit. And I'm wondering, like, was there any kind of um, reminder that of your Korean culture or of your Korean heritage that you felt in New Zealand that made you feel like you weren't so far away from home? How did you, like, fill that void of not being experience, not experiencing Korean culture during those two and a half years? Um, every time I use chopstick. And my mom sent me a lot of like chopstick that you can only use it one time. But in that time, my home, like homestay parents doesn't know that. So they put the chopstick into dishwasher and use it several times. Maybe that could be an example. And what else? Oh, and I have some Korean friends in school. Yeah, just two, but yes. Were they uh, Korean New Zealand or were they Korean Korean like, and they were also in a similar Korean, situation? Korean Korean and also have a similar situation with me. And you know, Korean, especially on math curriculum, is much different from New Zealand. So I could learn, even I was like, like third grade, I can 
solve sixth grade math class. So we had that kind of common. <laughs> and I even learned equation from one of my Korean Korean friends. Yeah, not from my math teacher. So I have only one daughter and I do not plan to have any more children, but she is like the most precious thing to me in the entire world. I would be, I am always thinking about her and her well-being. I mean, I'm also thinking of myself, but when I'm not thinking about myself, I'm thinking about my daughter. And even this whole podcast is because I want to be a better teacher and a better parent for my daughter, right? And just my entire, like, you know, when you become a mom, your brain literally changes and you have a lot less space for other things. You have more space for your child. Um, And so as a parent, I'm thinking about sending my daughter to another country and I would pack myself in that suitcase and go with her because I would be terrified. And so um, I don't even, I can't even imagine being separated from her uh, for two and a half years. And so I'm curious, how did your parents do that? And how, I'm curious, like if my, if I didn't see my daughter for two and a half years, I, I cannot imagine what, how the relationship would change. I already have younger sisters, so maybe that's why my mom can kind of bear the emotions. And I went there like more than 20 years ago. It means in that time, there's it's it was not same internet like now. And there is even no Korean keepers. So what I did before I go to New Zealand, I memorized in my head all Korean keyboard so I could type without installing actual Korean keyboard. So almost every day I write to my mom about what happened in my school in English and my mom translated it like every keyboard and she pl- she replied me in Korean every day. I think that could yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> That's so, so sweet. sweet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think so? I, To be honest, she did when I was young. And, you know, I went to the States when I was a university student. And in that, in that time, I'm, now I'm an adult. So I know how to send my, like, postcard and letters to my mom. And... My mom never replied it even once. I don't know what (laughs) makes her to change that things. When I was in middle school, even when I was in New Zealand, I always want to be a film director or makeup artist. 
but my mom already thought like being an artist or studying art like it's it's kind of like stereotype but my mom always thought it won't make you that much money you should study properly so in middle school i didn't study that much yeah so my grade was not that great and I had a lot of argument with my parents that I want to go high school with like related to art and my mom refused it. Yeah. What did she want you to do instead? Like my parents just study and go to popular uh, famous university. She uh, she want me to be a teacher. She thought I might be good at it, teacher, something stable. I think my parents want me to have a like stable job. I can do even when I get really old. And probably she want me to do something like makeup stuff or film as a hobby. But like as you like you, your first impression of me, I know what I want. So I insist to uh, I want to learn makeup. So my mom gives me one condition. If you get a like high score high grade on high school I will send you like makeup academy for six months so was was that a good incentive yes. for you did you I like really that? Liked that that's why I started to study and <laughs> and went to like several academies I studied like I mentioned you that I was that's a kid, like, so my, like, in every weekend, my dad drove me to the academy until 8 a.m. and I study a whole day for one or two subjects and I went home alone with the last train, like, around 11 p.m. And... <laughs> I can see your face. And in weekdays, my school, like regular class starts at 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. But I always go before than that, like 7 a.m. And I directly go to library and study until 2 a.m. I don't know, I can't do that anymore. Maybe I, I re really want to be a makeup artist one day or also my high school kind of my homeroom teacher kind of pressed me that I have to go to like Seoul National University. Yeah. Was, were your parents happy with where you went? Um, I don't think it, my school is like the top, the top school, but I anyway got tuition when I get entered. And I'm not sure. I never asked my parents. 
But they sent you to the makeup academy. Uh, yes. Yeah. And did you like it? Not really. <laughs> oh, yes. really? So you were really looking forward to studying, becoming a makeup artist, and you studied so hard because your mother gave you this, you know, incentive and then you went and you didn't enjoy it can you tell us a little bit about that experience yeah um i really like learning how to do makeup and actually my second sister's major was that after like watching me learning makeup things and hair but um, what i realize is okay i like learning makeup and doing makeup stuff but in that time like 10 or 15 years ago it's really hard to get a stable job for a makeup artist that's why i kind of like okay my parents might write i might just go to university and study and have a stable job and maybe i can afford money to enroll some more academies so in Korea, my major was a fashion design. It's not makeup, but still kind of related to art and also could relate it to film. So I went to a lot of art gallery for just for to write some papers. It was really great. But um, as a like a Kyoyang class, I had to listen psychology 101 and I realized um, psychology I can learn myself and my emotions and I also learned some classes about developmental psychology and I realized like you just said um, I didn't live with my parents when I was young and my maybe not just because of that my two younger sisters are more close than I, I feel like. So I kind of figure out what's wrong with my family. What is the problem inside my family? And at first I want to figure out and I want to fix it, like to some family counseling or something. And that's maybe the first reason I want to learn more of psychology and I knew that psychology is more popular and well-known in the States or Germany so I decided to go there. Actually I wanted to switch it to psychology but my mom insists you have to finish and you have you need a BA in Korean University so one day you could be a teacher. I mean, if I graduate fashion design major in Korean University, I could become a middle and high school student teacher. Yes, I have a, the certificate. I still have that. Mm. But uh, to be honest, I regret it. I don't want to be a teacher. I never talk this with my mom, but I'm not good at handling with children and I don't know why my mom want me to do that 
Yeah, I would love to know why your mom wanted you to do that. And I think earlier you mentioned that maybe there's this idea of stability, right? Because she wanted you to have a stable career. Um, And, you know, as a young mom right now, I do think a lot about how can I raise my daughter in a way where she can feel independent and able to live her life happily and freely and fully, even if I'm not here. And so, you know, there is sort of like um, a selfish desire for her to have a stable career. Um, But at the same time, I know that our society grows so fast and that, you know, the jobs that we have are not going to be the same jobs in five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. And so I don't want to tell her, oh, you know, you should definitely become a lawyer or you should definitely become a doctor because actually I don't want her to have those careers because I know how challenging it is. Um, And so I understand Potentially, I'm. Uh, of course, it's an assumption. Um, why maybe your mom and your parents wanted you to have something stable? But I'm curious why a teacher. And also, I think I don't know if this is for you, and maybe, maybe it's not something that you felt. But I know in South Korea, like image and status is very important, right. um, and I think. I hear a lot about, and and the reason why a lot of Korean parents, I think, want their children to have, you know, these jobs or go to a prestigious university is for that status and to, you know, so tangent, I ran into my next door neighbor um, a few days ago. And this is the first time we had a conversation. And in we only talked for maybe three minutes. And in that three minutes, she only talked about her son and how successful he is and how he lives abroad in Canada and, you know, went to university there and is making a lot of money and in three minutes, a stranger that I have never met, she just wants to talk about how successful her son is. And so I know that in South Korean society, there is a kind of happiness that comes from being able to talk about the success of your child. Um, And I'm curious, like, Do you think that this has anything to do with maybe why your mom wanted you to have a stable career or become a teacher? Because I know that is a very respectable job and career in Korea. That could be a one reason. But I just thought being a teacher is hard, kind of like dream job when she was young and now I'm thinking even I choose makeup artist as my career like 
societies change. So I could be a YouTuber or I could get a, I mean, I have a passion. I still like to put some makeup on my face. So I could have a stable job as a makeup artist. But she, in that time, she just didn't know. And she just thought being a makeup artist could never earn stable money. So, how to say, she want me to be happy, I can see that, but maybe the way she thought happiness is a bit different from mine. Uh, I could have, it's not exactly 50-50, but I could have like several interests at the same time. So psychology and film could be on a same boat, yes. And I just choose psychology in the end after I start to, I had the experience working in film industry and I realized I really love this job, but the welfare isn't that good, to be honest. Like I could make more money if I choose job in psychology or like cognitive psychology or become a researcher. So. In the end, I kind of feel like, okay, my mom might be right. <laughs> it's like a conflict. I I'm still a student, so I'd... it's still like had a I have a conflict inside my mind that my mom's right. Okay, having a stable job and choose a high salary could be better or sometime. Okay, I'll just, I mean, even I'm a student, I watch like many films in a month. So should I have to change my career? But I already fixed my mind as a psychology major, but. What do you plan to do with your degree in cognitive psychology? Because I know you only have six months left, right? My research is about like seizure search and I study videos and subtitles and what kind of subtitle is effective when we see them and which kind of like which part subtitles might be like cognitive effective the most because like normal subtitle is on the top like bottom of the screen right i just call it a, like a normal subtitle but like for example in film festival they put subtitles and a like vertical way only korean subtitle can do this english subtitle should be in this way and so this is a like other kind of way to so i can focus directly on the screen if especially i think it's good for bilingual because sometimes they don't need to listen like see the subtitle all the time so they can just focus on screen and they just use like a glimpse to see a subtitle and understand the contents or i'm also thinking about like dynamic subtitle it's like um it's like a bubble right next to a speaker's head or like bottom side of the face so uh i think 
I, I want to do more research of the dynamics of title because it doesn't require you more like your eye movement compared to the bottom traditional way of subtitle. So you can focus or on the speaker and also on the content at the same time using less cognitive load. That's what I'm studying. So when when someone say, oh, your major is psychology, could be they, they might thinking I wanted to become a therapist or something similar. But actually it's more into subtitle film videos. Yeah, that's amazing. I know that, um, so my Korean isn't very good, uh, but, and so when I watch Korean dramas, I'm reading the English subtitles. And the thing is, I'm kind of always like, why do I even watch the show? Because I don't know what's going on in the show because I'm just reading the words and I can't see what's going on in the show and I can't really focus on, you know, the facial expressions and I'm kind of like, right, you know? And so I understand like why it's important that you do what you do. Um, and I understand that the cognitive load that you're talking about because it does require a lot of energy on my part to just understand, basically. Um, and so I end up watching the same Korean drama multiple times so that once I have the first layer of understanding, I can watch it because I know what's already going to happen or what they're already going to say. So I can just focus on the interaction. And that's really nice. But now that I'm a mom, I don't have the oh. I don't have the time to watch anything these days. Um, and so for me, I know why this is important. And I'm wondering, do you know why this is an important topic for you? Like, um, and maybe it has something to do with the fact that you have been in different cultures, right? You've experienced being in uh, New Zealand, Australia, the United States, and probably other countries that you've visited, right? And um, I'm wondering, like, why was this a point of interest for you? So when I watch a film, uh, film that's speaking not my mother language, um, I realize subtitle is really important for some people who are not bilingual. Subtitle is the only way you can understand that whole content, right? So I just want, I, I'm not like really bilingual, but I could understand film sometimes without subtitle, but my parents or my sisters are not. So sometimes I want to share how I feel after watching some film but uh, my parent or sister, they don't understand same level like me. So that's why, that's the one reason I wanted to um, to research on dynamic subtitle. And I don't know Japanese at all, even I learned it in high school. And when I watch Japanese film, 
some people who are really good at Japanese, they could hear more cues, they could, could find more cues, like they could understand like background news or background music lyrics to understand the circumstance much faster and easier compared to me. So that's why I want to make like more efficient subtitle in the end to make others who speak just only one or two language to see more vivid word, something like. You know, I have spent all of my life feeling very different, not just in my family, but in, with my friends and, you know, with the dominant culture in the United States. Like there is no space that I have been in where I haven't felt different. Um, and I'm slowly starting to understand why, but I want to know for you, because you have experienced so many different cultures and you mentioned that your mom and your younger sisters have only spent their entire lives in South Korea, but you and your father who have the perspective of living in different cultures know what it's like to see Korea from another perspective. But when you are in one culture and you've never been in a different culture, you can't understand this culture using the perspective of this culture because you don't exactly. have it. Right. And it's very difficult to communicate to somebody who has never seen or experienced that other culture the way that you can see Korea now because you've experienced it from different perspectives. And so I cannot imagine all of what is going on in your mind and how your how that difference plays a role in what you do and how you think and you know, what you choose to research. I think, yes, I, sometimes I feel like I don't belong in this family emotionally because I live different cultures and all the other members, except my dad, but yeah, like they live, live their whole time in Korea. So sometimes they don't understand some values or opinions that I think they think it's quite unconventional thing that's why I want to I know it's not directly help this but I just want to just give one more option to understanding like the word or the film video any kind of it to use one more source you know, when you're watching film, you need more, when you know more background of the era or news or the events, you understand more and you could empathize more of characters. Maybe that's what I want. That. Yeah, like context. Yes, context. And maybe that is what I want my family to expect to understand me more. But 
this is also one thought that other people doesn't understand me that much. Thank you for tuning into our conversation. Speaking with Stella about her early memories of spending time away from her family reminded me of my own summer vacations. When I was in elementary school, my mother would spend most of my school year at home with me, but then when summer vacation hit, she would leave for South Korea where there were more opportunities to expand her career or secure jobs that could provide better for us. As a child, I knew that whatever she was leaving me for was important, but I didn't really understand how or why. All I knew was that I was going to have to spend time with my grandparents in their cramped apartment that smelled like fermented soy and dried fish. With almost nothing to do other than watch reruns of the A-Team with my grandfather on the couch and help my grandmother with meaningless chores. But worst of all, the only snack they kept in their home was a pack or two of old and stale peanut M&Ms. Then when I was in middle school, my mom sent me to South Korea to spend the summer with her business partner's family. He had a daughter who was my age, and when I arrived at the airport, the whole family came to pick me up. For almost four weeks, they cooked nourishing meals, took me to almost every tourist attraction, made deliberate attempts to engage with me and ask me about my interests and life in the States. But when I returned home, so did the quiet norms of my family. For many years afterward, when I saw families who made attempts to engage with their children, I felt a bit jealous. I longed for the type of connection they had, for my family to play with me, not just provide for me, to understand me, not just for who I was on the outside, but for who I was becoming on the inside. When I look back on these memories now, though, being misunderstood by my family was what fueled my writing, my storytelling, my hopes of sharing the parts of me that weren't valued or recognized. It was what carved out in me the vast room to hold space for and empathize with others. And ultimately, it is what continues to fuel my drive to become a parent who can do this for my own daughter. Thank you so much for listening. If any part of this episode resonated with you, please connect with us on social media at the links in the show notes. And if you'd like to share your own education journey with us on this podcast, please send me a DM on Instagram. 